we've been very opportunistic in how we've approached our work now. And we're getting to a point where we want to set some strategy more and see if we can bring in more funding to do some of our bigger, more aspirational ideas. But at the very beginning, it's really about who do you like to work with on a regular basis to start making things happen. Welcome to the Plant-Based DFW Podcast Weekly Show with Dr. Riz and Maya. A show broadcasted from the Dallas-Fort Worth area that focuses on lifestyle medicine. This is the use of evidence-based lifestyle therapeutic approaches, such as a whole food plant-based diet, regular physical exercise, adequate sleep, and stress management to treat, prevent, and oftentimes reverse lifestyle-related chronic diseases that are all too prevalent. Every week, they feature a guest who speaks on one of these lifestyle medicine pillars. This show is for you, the person who is seeking to improve your overall wellness and quality of life. So whether you are driving, walking, or relaxing at home, we hope this show will provide you one more tool for your wellness toolbox. Let's meet today's podcast guest. Welcome back to another episode. This is Maya Acosta with Plant-Based DFW. This is episode 137. And today we are going to meet Liana Living Reisner. She's in New York. And after running a Plant Pure pod in Manhattan, New York, Liana became the network director and launched the Plan Powered Metro Network. She basically organized this group by partnering with other PPC pod leaders. Now, in case you don't know what I'm talking about in terms of PPC, visit episode 136, where I talk about Plan Pure Communities. This is a worldwide grassroots movement that we are part of. And I've been introducing pod leader or pack leaders, actually, for the Pod Advisory Committee. Today, you are going to meet Liana and you are going to learn about her passion that when it comes to networking and working together and collaborating. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. So welcome, Liana. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me, Maya. So Liana, we're both on the PAC committee and I've already done kind of a little introduction about what PAC stands for, but can you tell us what your role is? What subcommittees are you part of? Sure. I am working on the operations subcommittee, which is looking at how do we help to improve the experience of the group leaders and how they can take their work even farther with the support of Plant Pure Communities. So we're looking at all sorts of things from how we help people to get more active and involved and what kinds of resources are offered. It's an exciting space to be for me. Then you have so much to bring to the table because of your group in New York, which we'll talk about. Correct. Yes. When we started Plant Powered Metro New York, it was really the coming together of a number of pods from the Plant Pure Network that were all within the five boroughs of New York City and Long Island. And we got to know each other early on. I started as a pod leader in early 2018 and just got excited by the new relationships that I had been building with those pod leaders and realized that there was so much more that we could do together to coordinate programming, to do outreach together. And we had also met other people in the community who wanted to get involved on a leadership level, but weren't necessarily ready to jump in and become pod leaders themselves. And Mm -hmm. so I just thought, wow, there could be a different kind of platform that we could create for leadership to to build here. And that's really what created the momentum to start Plant Powered Metro New York. So let's learn a little bit about yourself. How did you even find out about the plant-based lifestyle? Yeah, so that was happenstance, actually. I was trying to feed my family. I have three young children. At the time, I had 
too. And I was just not sure what to feed my kids so that they could grow up healthy. And my husband and I were in our early 30s and starting to feel what aging brought with the 30s, which is a little disconcerting. So I was doing research and finding alternative healthcare practitioners who were actually talking about diet and fell into some guidance from functional medicine providers who were interesting. They brought a lot of interesting ideas to the table about nutrition, but were also pushing a lot of supplements. And my husband really pushed back pretty hard when he heard that they were recommending that our kids eat meat because he's a vegetarian. He had been for over a decade at that point and just didn't think that there was science behind that. And I honestly had no idea. I was like, who knows? I'm in my thirties and I just don't know what anybody's supposed to eat to be healthy. So I was on this path for about 18 months and then through an algorithm on an online bookseller's website, found T. Colin Campbell's whole Rethinking Nutrition. And I was so taken by what he put forward. Obviously he writes, for those who have read his books, he writes with a lot of passion and a little bit of anger. Like you can hear some of the, like, I've been around and I've seen all of this stuff. There's so much politics and food and in health. But there was something about the truth in it and about the evidence behind it that just just so compelling to me. And I said, wow, this clarifies a lot of what I've learned along the way, but didn't have in such a concise framework, which is eat whole plants, don't eat the animal foods, stay away from processed foods, eat low fat. It spoke to me on a level that I hadn't really understood before. And that was the beginning for me of just like totally geeking out on nutrition and needing to learn more. I was interested in public health when I was in college and never pursued a degree in it. But I feel like now all of all of the things that I've done over these last few years have been pushing me back into that persona that I guess I always had inside of me. And I'm excited where we've landed now. So our first introduction for many of us in terms of T. Colin Campbell's work is usually the China study. Now, at that time, your husband had already sort of been on a path of being vegetarian. What did he think about you finding out that actually being completely free of any animal-based products was the better way to go as opposed to just being vegetarian? He was intrigued. He definitely came at his vegetarianism from a principled basis, not wanting to be responsible for killing things. And when I introduced to him how there is violence, even within the dairy and egg industries, he immediately understood it and felt that it was a path for him. And, you know, I really appreciate that. I know not all men will go that route easily, but he did. And he also has just a deep appreciation for plant foods of all sorts and is much more adventurous with his meals than many others in our home, including my <laughs> little kids. But he sets a good model, I think, for all of us and just really enjoying the plant kingdom. And we've all really taken to it as a family. Okay, so you first started off. So your initial goal was to help your family to support your children so that they could live a healthy life. And then you sort of already had an interest in nutrition. Like you say, you might have wanted to study public health because it's kind of who you are. You're a seeker. You like to study and do research. So then how did once you got started on that path, how did you move towards then reaching out to the community? Sure. So I think I was most inspired by not just by the evidence that was out there, but also by my personal experience as a woman, as somebody who had been on the pill for many years because I had been experiencing heavy periods and a lot of just difficulty around my cycles and my hormones. When I changed my diet, I saw a lot of those issues just sort of melt away. And I was 
really amazed that this could be possible with just a dietary change. And I also had a very healthy third pregnancy in the middle of all of this, where with my first two kids, I gained over 50 pounds and normal weight gain for pregnancy is around 25 to 30 pounds. And with my third, I gained only 25 pounds and it just felt easier. It felt lighter. It felt natural. And so many other things sort of righted themselves in my system that I felt like, wow, I got to tell everybody, but you don't want to really like trumpet it too loudly because who wants to talk about their periods with everybody, except here I am talking about it very publicly on a national platform. So I think I had to gain my own comfort and then figure out, well, is what I'm personally experiencing really something that has been experienced by many other people all over the place. There was a validation that I had to take. And certainly I would say that I am more science inclined, but my husband is very left brain and very logic driven and wanted to be sure that whatever we were doing as a family really was like, if not the right way, then a right way. So that took a lot more steps. And for me, the validation came not just in the learning that I could do online or in a book, but also in person with the other people who have been down this path before. So that's why I got connected to Plant Pure Communities at all. I was so encouraged by what I had read about in Dr. Campbell's work. I watched Nelson Campbell's film, Plant Pure Nation, and that was another moment of inspiration where, wow, there is this pod network that I could be a part of. I wonder what's going on in New York City. And so I joined the pod online at the time. And there wasn't a lot of activity going on. There was not an active group leader in Manhattan where I live. And I connected also with the leadership of Plant Pure Communities and discussed with them how I could get involved. I just felt very, I had a lot that I could offer. I've previously been coming out of some independent consulting work with nonprofit organizations. So I was thinking to myself, well, should I go deep and sort of get involved with the national work that they're doing as sort of coordinators of action, or should I go right into community and figure out how I can make a change in my neighborhood, in my borough? And I decided to do the latter because it had been a while since I had been my own sort of practitioner. I grew up professionally with a really dynamic, lovely nonprofit organization in the DC area called Impact Silver Spring. And they taught me quite a bit about how community engagement can be done in a way that's authentic with folks from many different backgrounds. And the goal really was to connect people across lines of race, class, and culture so that folks could build really true relationships with one another, get to know each other. And from that, build a new future together, come up with new solutions and go activate them in the community. And I think having had that experience and having learned about how to do group facilitation and how to think about the design of personal interactions with um, people who you haven't met before, that for me, it was so much fun at the time that I did it. I wanted to do it again and to do it in the context of this newfound passion that I have, which is plant-based nutrition. And to realize when I looked around the city in New York City, there weren't a lot of other grassroots projects going on that were supporting the message of whole food, plant-based nutrition. And so the idea that this is like blue sky, it's like open field, go and create it. Some people might say, oh, that's such a challenge. I would never want to do that. But for me, I was having a ball game. So a field day, it was really so much fun. So going out and meeting people and getting to know the clinicians, getting to know the other pod leaders, as I mentioned, getting to know just the average person who had made a change and seen some benefit from it, whether it's somebody who had been vegan, who lost 20 more pounds when they went oil-free, or it was somebody who was really brand new and had reversed another chronic illness. It was so inspiring to me that it just kept me chugging along and it keeps fueling me now. 
I'm moving in that direction more and more because there are so many more people who need to know and who need to be inspired by this mission. I so appreciate what you bring to the table because your experience working for a nonprofit of really learning how to bring people together, like you said, that of different classes, different races, different backgrounds or cultures is what I think is needed for a leader to then know how to reach out and bring everyone together to really provide a space for this message that plant-based nutrition can actually help improve our health. From that, you kind of created what would you call it, like a model that you now use to train other people. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Yeah. It's a work in progress, but our structure within Plant Powered Metro New York is really trying to bring a number of people on board in different volunteer roles that tap into their talents and their strengths and their personal networks. So I have conversations with people probably on a weekly basis who are interested in our mission and want to get involved somehow. And we've created a number of different volunteer positions to help channel people in the right direction. So we've got folks who are interested in doing outreach. They are people, people, they want to connect with folks and they have great stories to share and inspiring ways to do it. Those are our ambassadors. We've got folks who are really good at project management or just have good ideas and they know how to get them done. And we call them our organizers. And those are some of our most active volunteers who are sort of more out there and building partnerships in the community and thinking about how to strategize and getting whole food plant-based nutrition in front of new people. We also have a number of educators. I mean, I have a whole roster of local people who are plant-based experts, whether they're doctors, dietitians, chefs, or up-and-coming chefs, let's say, people who are not necessarily trained but are really talented, and people who are good facilitators who know how to get people in a room and provide support, and others who just want to contribute. They say, I have something to offer help me, where can I plug in? And that's where I try to connect the dots. And so we're trying to build out that, what I would call an infrastructure of leadership so that we are building more and more capacity in the field for grassroots leadership. And I think this is what's happening overall in the nation with plant peer communities as more people like you and I are coming to the table and saying, we can do this, we know how. And for those who come forward and say, I wanna do this, but I don't know how, that's the future I think for plant-based nutrition. If we wanna get more people aware, it's really enabling these potential leaders to become the leaders who they really can be. There is that sort of foundation, that structure, you call it infrastructure that's needed to then know where to place some of those volunteers that are really buying into the message and want to be part of the community. Do people naturally kind of know what kind of role they fit in? Or do you kind of give a description and then help guide them? Like you fit better in this role as opposed to that role. Most of the time they know. Sometimes I have to do a little bit of a back and forth. And I think it's often the case that people have really good intentions, but they have day jobs and families and volunteer life is it ebbs and flows. So we try to be respectful of that. So there are times when maybe we have to sort of help move somebody into a different position or at least say, hey, it's okay for you to not be fully active for these next six months. Take care of yourself, take care of your family. I think that's the humanity of all of this. If we want to be a, a great wellness organization, helping people to actualize themselves in communities, we also have to bring those principles into how we build volunteer leadership too. Definitely. And then taking care of ourselves. is That's one thing as a leader that I've learned to do because we do focus also on lifestyle medicine is that I've had to come back. I took 2020 as a time to kind of restore and self-care and take care of myself and kind of maybe start over like 
look at things and say, okay, where do I want to go with this? And how can I work with other people so that I don't experience burnout? I would love to know how you navigate it 2020. Absolutely. That's like the question of the hour. Okay. So I remember we had so many great plans at the beginning of 2020. We had folks coming in from out of town. We had gotten a budget to do this or that. We were going to have a jump start. We were actually in the middle of a jump start. One of our big nutrition 180 turnarounds, helping a group of people to make a change to whole food plant-based nutrition. And we had to do our closing session online, which means we didn't get to do our closing biometrics in person. So I lost all that data, but it's okay. We did what we had to do. And I remember I actually went back to look at my emails from a little while ago and realized as the specter of coronavirus was approaching, I must have intuited that things were going to get bad for a while because I reached out to our whole volunteer team and our advisors. And I said, Hey, we got to do some online programming. Who wants to step up? And that opened the door for a lot of people who said a dietitian wanted to do this and a chef wanted to do that. And we had some virtual potlucks we put together and a parents event. And it just became this all hands on deck. Like everybody was interested in supporting a shift but nobody knew where it was going to go. So we got all these programs scheduled. And I remember this was a crazy time because we left New York City at the very beginning on the day of the shutdown, March 22nd, me and my family, we decamped for two weeks of quarantine and we were on our way to Baltimore to be with my in-laws for Passover. And that first night we got into this house where we were quarantining and I opened my computer and I led my very first session online It was just a virtual potluck, but it was a conversation with 12 or 15 people about what we were going to (laughs) do. And we had no idea what was ahead, but it felt good to like offer space. And I think that's where I got so excited about the prospect of doing more virtual programming. I had never thought we were going to do work online. I always thought that our mission, our goal was to get out in communities and engage people on the ground within their home communities that we weren't going to be content developers. And here we were like churning out videos left and right with all these webinars and conversations online. And now we've got a new recipe app that some of our volunteers developed. And I just feel like we have learned so much going through the process of shifting to be an online education provider, as well as trying to stay true to what our communities on the ground really need. So we've been doing sort of what I would call these broad-based community educational programs online. We've had anywhere from five to 10 webinars per month. Since then, some of them actually, we had weekly and now it's sort of alternating weeks, Spanish language programming on Thursday nights because our Latin community organizers were all really jazzed about creating space for that. And they ran with it. And that's the beauty, I think, of this distributed leadership network that we've created, which is people can take initiative, they can find gaps to fill and make something happen. And we are trying to create, again, the sort of centralized resources where those things can be produced and then publicized out to our wider community. So I think it was really exciting to see that happen. It was very draining, frankly, to like be with my kids during the daytime and managing Zoom classes and my toddler who had nothing to do as a three-year-old and then sort of working at night after my husband's work hours were over. It was a very trying time for me personally. But I felt with every step of the way, like we were doing the right thing. And we ended up engaging the same number of people online last year that we engaged in person the year before. So 2000 in person the year before and 2000 last year online. 
So I'm excited that we had that kind of success. But for me, success isn't necessarily in the numbers. It's in how are we getting toward the place of changing the narrative around food and health. And that's a long-term project. Briefly, my experience was that we had built a momentum. We also had a lot of things lined up. And I had been wanting to have sort of a sense of unity like what you have created in New York. So we were set to host Dr. Greger. As you know, he was touring last year. And what I had done was, so I collaborated with Unity, one of the churches in Dallas, and basically reached out to local pod leaders and said, let's all set up a table representing all the different pods and let's come together. Houston pod leaders have also been an example for me, kind of a little bit like what you do. When I started visiting some of the events or attending some of the events in Houston, I realized that many of the pod leaders there come together as well. There are like six or seven pods that come and support each other when there's an event that's happening. And there's one married couple, they're both, uh, you might know of them, but lifestyle physicians who have like day retreats and summits. And in one year, I must have gone there like four or five times just because I wanted to soak up that energy of collaborating and coming together as a team to support the community. So that's why I was excited to talk to you too, because it's like, that's exactly what we want. We want to come together, support each other. And that's part of the benefit of being part of this large network. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned Houston, because actually my team is meeting with a number of the Houston pod leaders tonight to share notes. The thing is that I too, when I learned about Plant Pure Nation, I looked for a pod and right away I looked and no activity was happening in Dallas. There were people that kind of established themselves, but there wasn't any activity. And I'm bringing that up again, because I think that our listeners who might have looked at one point to find support in their area, may be interested in maybe jumping on board and creating their own pod, which is what we both ended up doing. You and I, we were like, okay, we're going to do it. We're going to find our resources. How do we we bring people into our pod, into our organization and have them kind of buy into the mission, really be feel like they're part of it? How can we help them feel like they belong, they're important as a member? That's a great, great point. So I would answer it in a few ways. On the one hand, we have folks in our community who are already interested and let's say believers in what whole food plant-based nutrition has to offer. And I think that's different from other people who have the potential to be part of our community, either as members or as supporters or collaborators, if you will. And I think for the folks who are already in the know, it's to create community for them where they feel like they're valued. And part of that feeling comes either for some people, it comes from having a leadership role. And for others, it's just having space for them that reflects what they need. And so I think going out and talking to people and learning about what their interests are is always number one when you're building community and when you're building a base in the world of community organizing, which is really about developing campaigns to win certain very tangible results, this idea of base building, and you have to go out and talk to your people and create a sense of shared will and shared passion around those folks and then train them to do the things that everybody wants to accomplish together. I think the same thing really truly does apply to our work, even though we're not necessarily out there, not all of us are out doing advocacy work or trying to create formal campaigns, but we are trying to win the hearts and minds of our communities. And it's not such a hard sell if you think about it, because everybody wants to be healthy. And yet it's so countercultural that we have to be gentle and we have to be positive. 
And that's another thing that I think is really critical here. And something that I think the plant-based health movement can almost uniquely provide when you think about it in comparison with ethical veganism and the environmental narratives, which are really, they're tough. They're really tough things for people to approach. Like the idea that climate change is so deeply affected by animal agriculture and that our role in harming animals, like that stuff really pulls the people in a difficult way. And for some people who have deep, deep empathy, the more ready to hear it and answer it. But the health conversation, I think, is a much more universal one where everybody wants to be healthy. Everybody knows somebody with a chronic illness. Many people have a chronic illness themselves or have symptoms that bother them and they wonder, why do I have this? So tapping into the positive language is really key. And for me, I was trained in organizational behavior and positive psychology. And so I think all the time about how we can sort of overcome the negative urgency language that really, I think, drives a lot of public health narratives. We see it even now with coronavirus. We have to bring people to a space of positivity and hope and to have our message really be fashioned in a way that appeals to the natural need for people to feel healthy and connected to other people. So that's one thing. And then when it comes to like folks who are out there who we want to bring into our movement, there's a whole other strategy involved here. And what I often have been saying is we don't want to attract people to come to us. We need to go out to them. So early on, when I started out as a pod leader, I was creating programming venues that I could find that were either low cost or free. And I realized that the best way for me to actually engage people was to go create partnerships with organizations that had their own spaces that would publicize the work going on in that space. And that would create an immediate pipeline of new people coming to the programming that I was making. So instead of having sort of the blank slate where you ask people to come in, you go out and you build community in places where it already exists. So my first step as a pod leader, trying to find those partnerships and build those partnerships that would lead to a venue where we could do programming, it led me in my neighborhood in the Upper West Side of Manhattan, it led me to my local JCC, the Jewish Community Center, which is a building that serves people from all walks of life, all races and religions. And they've got a fitness center, they've got a wellness, health and wellness department, they have children's programming, they have family programming, they have social justice programming. It's a really comprehensive place. And in many locations, you know, you'll have a Y or you'll have some other kind of wellness center like that. And through a friend of a friend got to know the department chair of the health and wellness programming and it got her ear and we started to talk and that led to having Dr. Neil Barnard come and visit and that we filled the room for that program. And that was the beginning of a relationship that led to monthly lectures, culinary demonstrations, jumpstart programs held at their facility. And we still continue to this day to be doing webinars now two and a half years later. And I feel very grateful to have created that relationship from the start and to nurture it over the years because we really have built allies in our process that way. And I think it's the creation of allies who really want to be part of your mission and who have other resources and communities to bring to the table. That's, I believe, where it's actually easiest for us as pod leaders to build new momentum for us as a collective. What you're saying kind of reminds me of an experience we had that I was so thankful for. I met some filmmakers many years ago who talked about when you travel to a destination, not just to be a guest or tourist, but actually connect with the community. And that planted a seed in my mind. I said, you know, 
we should do something. We should give a lecture. We should do something when we vacation, at least one day. But I went ahead and did my research, reached out by Facebook. If you have a group of people who will listen to a vascular surgeon, we'd love to talk about health. We collaborated. They made it happen. They partnered with a vegan restaurant. They pulled in, these are animal rights activists. They pulled in some people from the community. We filled the room. It was such an incredible experience, Liana, that for me, it was just like, we need to keep doing this. And I am fluent in Spanish. So I wanted to kind of start using my Spanish to kind of reach the community that's a little bit underserved. I know. And I meant to ask you, is Lili, Lili Correa part of your group? Obviously, she's a dietitian at Bellevue and has done a number of community programs with us. She's a wonderful educator and was a chef herself. She's been teaching how to make beautiful meals. So she's yeah. wonderful. How can we move forward? So it's 2021. We're still experiencing a pandemic. What recommendations do you have during a difficult time like this? Absolutely. I think that the principles of working in communities are the same, even during a pandemic that relationships are the key. We have so much that we can do person to person. It might be through a screen instead of in live in a room, but there's so much that we can do to build relationships right now that will prime us as leaders to bring whole food plant-based nutrition to more people. And we have to build those connections now because all of these building blocks help lead to something greater later. It's the same thing in fundraising, right? You've got to sort of cultivate those relationships if you want to have the funds come in later. For me, some of the work that we have done in our local communities with, you know, we've been working with a senior serving agency that has senior centers all over the New York area. And I feel like the work that we've been able to accomplish for the seniors is one piece of what we've done together. But there's all of this internal work to do with the staff and to help people who are in positions that influence their constituents, to help them understand how critically important plant-based nutrition is for their own organization's approach to wellness. So I think a lot of what I would encourage new pod leaders to do or folks who are thinking about becoming pod leaders, it's to identify people whose leadership you admire in your community and who you think might have an interest in wellness and go and talk with them about what you're doing and see if there's an opening to collaborate because we need leaders like those to bring into our movement and also to help be a part of ushering it toward much wider audiences. So that's what I would recommend. And it's worked well for us so far. And I know every community has community organizations, whether it's churches or other houses of worship, you've got schools, You've got wellness communities, or maybe there are departments like the ones that I worked with. Every community has folks who care about wellness somewhere within their organizational structure. And if you can go and find them and build those relationships, you never know where they're going to lead. So be ready. Yes. (laughs) And we've kind of briefly talked about as PAC members, I think in one of our conversations when we were online, was that Every pod can be very different depending on the leadership, depending on the members. So some can be more educationally based. Some can be more associated with outreaching, like you said, working with like the senior community. Some can just be more potluck based. That's part of the uniqueness is and the fun of being part of the community is whatever gifts and talents you have, you can bring and contribute to working with the community as well. You're kind of an inspiration. And so coming back to PAC, this is part of what you're kind of hopefully will help us to teach us how to come together as leaders to work together and collaborate. 
Absolutely. Yes. I'm excited at the idea. And we even talked about this at the very beginning when we started Plant Power Metro New York, that we wanted to offer a model for collaboration that other pods could take on themselves. So we've been pretty good about documenting what we're doing and <laughs> keeping some institutional memory. But I think the place to go if you're interested in really taking very nascent effort and blowing it up, it's to find partners who you can work with well and figure out how to get complementary skill sets at the table and just move from there. I feel like, and I've been saying all along, we've been very opportunistic in how we've approached our work now. And we're getting to a point two years in where we want to set some strategy more and see if we can bring in more funding to do some of our bigger, more aspirational ideas. But at the very beginning, it's really about who do you know who you might like to work with on a regular basis to start making things happen. And it is totally fine to sort of keep things chill. And potlucks on a monthly basis are incredible. They're really helpful. But if you ever get to the point where you're saying, well, where are people? They're not coming anymore, or I've lost some of the spark. Maybe that means a new strategy is needed. And I think there are so many different strategies. One of the best pieces of information that one of our advisors gave me at the very beginning was that this is just an open field. There is so much that any one person can do to make an impact on the community through plant-based nutrition. It really almost doesn't matter what you do. It just matters that you do. It matters to take action at all. And so I think we shouldn't get down about ourselves if we're having struggle. I think we just need to regroup and say, look, maybe my leadership in this way isn't necessarily working the way I wanted it to, what else might I be interested in? Or what are people asking me for that maybe we can work on doing? And not to sort of move away from it because it's difficult, but instead to give yourself an opportunity to shift gears, just like we have been all year long with coronavirus. Like there is so much that we have learned about how to be resilient in our personal lives. And certainly <laughs> I'll be the first to admit that Sometimes we're just not resilient because my gosh, why? Like <laughs> there's right. a lot of defeatism, I think, that we feel at this time. And that's okay. It's okay to sort of take time for yourself and just so you know, it's not for me. I need to take care of myself. But to get back in the saddle when you're ready and to realize that we all have something tremendous to offer. And people's lives are at stake, frankly, <laughs> not to bring too much terrible urgency to it, but I do think that the excitement of helping people change their lives for the better it just opens so many doors for us. I thought us being under the umbrella of lifestyle medicine would feel a little bit less threatening than if we're just constantly preaching about nutrition. Although we know like 90% of health is, the large percentage of it is really about food. Food has a tremendous impact, but our goal had been to work with medical schools as well to at least plant a seed to some of the groups. And then what has worked for us too is partnering with Walk With The Doc, because when we open the community to just come and walk with us and we start off with a health topic, we can always bring it back to how food plays a big role in a lot of these health conditions, a lot of these diseases that people are facing. But still, for me, it's like I'm eager to come together again and be together in a group of people. So it's a little hard to sit back and not have that. And so I think that collaborating like that or coming together with another group, it's a little bit encouraging and it gives you a reason to kind of come back. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, I was thinking about what you were saying about lifestyle medicine. I think that the more that we can tap into some of the powers that be in our community that are bringing more credibility to our movement in plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine and the American College of Lifestyle Medicine in particular is really 
I think, critical for us. And so the more that we can connect nutrition together with these other lifestyle factors that can help, the more people really understand. We can say food is this magic bullet, but at the same time, it's food plus. It's food and sleep, food and stress management. We're actually starting... This is another example of where the volunteers really matter. We have a new volunteer who is training in mindfulness instruction, and he's going to start a mindfulness series in May. And I'm just so excited that, again, there's an opportunity for people to bring their talents to the table. So it'll be mindfulness related to mindful eating and thinking about food and gratitude. And I think it is important for us as leaders to make a connection between food and the other aspects of our lives that help us to experience wellness fully. And if sometimes it means bringing our lifestyle medicine, newly board certified clinicians to the table. So many clinicians in the New York area now are getting their board certification and their wonderful resources. They have gone through a lot of training to learn about how lifestyle really matters in the clinical relationship with patients. And I think there's so much that we can do to help be a bridge between those types of subject matter experts and community members who need to hear the message. So it's just important to keep it holistic. I too, I'm excited about all the physicians and like you say, clinicians that are coming on board. And we also want to kind of encourage, there's a call to action that we want to kind of talk about to encourage some of the listeners on either a film that they should watch or maybe a book that they should read so that they can just become more informed about either plant-based nutrition or getting involved with the plant peer communities. Absolutely. So I think there are a number of wonderful resources out there. I've been really excited about actually a bunch of podcasts that are out there now. I know Dr. Clapper has got some great little videos that he's posting on Facebook, Dr. Michael Clapper, and also one of the pediatricians who we had worked with early on, Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster. She now has a podcast as well. And I love also the new focus on, on families and children because one of the hardest things I think for people with kids to do is to, to approach changing the diet of someone else, of a young person rather than just their own diets. But other resources that I think I'd love to offer the community who's watching and listening, as I mentioned before, a new recipe app that was created by some of our volunteers. It's called PPMNY in your kitchen, Plant Power Metro New York in your kitchen. You can go to ppmnyinyourkitchen.org and download the new app there. It's actually, you don't download it there, you access it there and you can just put it on your home screen on your phone. And it has community generated recipes. These are recipes that were submitted by people from our community. And if you take the app on your phone, you can also submit your own recipe and be a, one of the contributors to the recipe app. And we are excited because it's both in English and in Spanish. So trying to create a wide resource base for people from different cultures and would happily include other languages as well as our following grows. But I think this is where the future is for us in resource creation, which is the resources lie within each of us. We all have personal lived experiences to bring to the table. And we're hoping through Plant Powered Metro New York and the pod community writ large across the nation and the world to bring those personal experiences to others so that we can inspire more people to make a change toward plant-based nutrition. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's been such a pleasure getting to learn more about you, Liana, and about the work that you're doing. And like I say, you're an inspiration. Thank, thank you, me. Maya. This is great. And I feel like I learned much more about you too through this process. So thank you for also sharing your stories. I know it felt tangential for you, but like for me, it was actually like good to get to know you on a deeper level through this yeah. process. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the Plant-Based DFW podcast show. If you like our content, please like, share, and leave a review. Our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community.